0: Good morning church, it's a good day and you all are beautiful, what a privilege to be able to preach from God's word today about the fact that we serve a God who will indeed hold you fast and that people can be introduced to this God through the proclamation, the preaching of the gospel. Today we have a special opportunity, it might be an opportunity that you say, well what's the big deal? Uh, Ethan's already here, now we're installing him, I don't understand Ethan has transitioned from being a minister of the gospel and, and now he's been ordained his, his qualifications have been recognized and we'll talk about that in a moment uh, by his home church And so now he, he joins us as a pastor And so we want to recognize that officially as a church family today And his call to gospel ministry Which is the ministry of helping sinners know how it is they can meet a holy God who will indeed hold them fast Through every trial, every season, every storm. So with that said, would you join me uh, in taking your copy of God's word in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. As you're turning there, I'm going to ask God to help us to hear from heaven today. Lord Jesus, we give you our hearts in this hour. God, we ask that we would hear from heaven today. Not only Ethan, but... As we charge and challenge Ethan to not grow weary in this calling, God, to run the race with endurance, we pray that that we would hear you speaking to us as well. Lord, that however you've called us to serve others in the gospel, that we would stay faithful to the end. Lord, we can do this, we know, not in our own strength, but because of you, who indeed holds us fast. We praise you for that today. In Jesus' name. Amen. By now you're in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want you to know this morning we have an opportunity, a special opportunity, to install Ethan as a pastor. In the New Testament, churches are led not by just one guy, not the top dog, the lead pastor, but rather by a pastoral team. We see this first in the church in Jerusalem. They're led by probably the best elder, bishop, pastor team ever, the 12 apostles. Then we see it in Acts 20 when Paul addresses the pastor, elder, bishop team in Miletus for the elders for the Ephesian church. We see it in Titus chapter 1 verse 5 when Paul charges Titus to appoint elders in every town. We see it in 1 Peter 5, when Peter tells the elders, plural, to shepherd or pastor the one church of God among whom they serve. Ethan has been ordained to be a pastor. His calling and his commitment and his competency for serving Christ have been examined and confirmed by a council of other pastors, by his local church, by his wife, and by our church family. He's a 1 Timothy 3 Kind of man, able to teach, verse 2 of chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, able to teach, sound doctrine, and demonstrating the power of the gospel, not only in what he says, but also in the way that he conducts his life. And today it's our privilege, Ethan Smith, to welcome you as pastor for the entire church. And a shepherd with special a special area of emphasis, helping parents and guardians and grandparents and great-grandparents and families raise up students who are fully devoted followers of King Jesus. Students who are pleased to give themselves wholly and completely for the sake of Christ and His gospel. So today, my brother, is a day of joy. It's a day of celebration. It's a day of acknowledgement. But I want to take in the next few moments... The opportunity for this to also be a day of preparation. These special services are moments that you'll reflect back on the rest of your ministry. And I want you to know that what motivates our actions and decisions and conversations as pastors must always be the glory of Christ and the urgency of proclaiming the gospel in word, decision, and deed. And if you haven't figured it out yet, obey Jesus sometimes... And prizing the gospel sometimes are not always popular things to do. Times might come in your ministry when you wonder if obeying Jesus will mean losing your job. Jesus is worth it. There will be seasons in your ministry when you wrestle with how to love a church family without abandoning your own family. Times may come when you pray and give counsel and don't see the breakthrough that you're longing and fasting and praying for. Times may come when you are maligned and misrepresented and misunderstood. The Apostle Paul faces similar challenges throughout his ministry. He loved the church at Corinth, but they questioned him constantly. In 2 Corinthians, the church is beginning to believe what the false teachers are saying about Paul. They criticized him for all kinds of reasons. His travel plans had to change. He didn't have an impressive bodily appearance. He hadn't been doing going to the gym enough. He didn't use sophisticated rhetorical techniques. You couldn't fit all of his sentences into a Twitter post. And he didn't have letters of commendation or recommendations from the highfalutin scholars of his day. What we find in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1-6 through is Paul's powerful defense of his ministry. How does he stay faithful to the call that God has placed upon his life when his ministry is defined by adversity and even by accusation. We find that in first excuse me, Second Corinthians chapter four, verses one through six. Would you join me in hearing the word of the word of God? Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose hearts. But we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves your bondservants, your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Ethan, near the end of his life, Paul wrote these words to young Timothy, his apostolic delegate, his mentor, his his mentee in the faith. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. These verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 show us how it is that Paul, when he got to the end of his ministry, could look back and be able to say that. And I believe we see in this text several principles that should characterize the heart and the mind of any faithful pastor. First, you must remember the gospel ministry is a gift from God. In verse 1, Paul is reflecting on his ministry. It's not just any old ministry. Notice that he calls it this ministry. It's a particular sort of ministry. It's a ministry that he describes throughout chapter 3. It's the ministry of the new covenant, verse 6. It's the ministry of seeing dead people come alive. It's the ministry of the Spirit, verse 8. The ministry of righteousness, verse 9. The ministry that's more glorious than even the ministry of Moses because it never fades away. Did you know that? That the peeking into the completed work of Christ is more glorious than what happened on Mount Sinai. That the opportunity to open the word of God and proclaim the completed glorious riches of God available in Christ Jesus. That there's nothing more glorious on the planet than that. And God has given that to you verse 518, Paul continues, It's the ministry of reconciliation. It's the ministry by which people who are far from God are united with Him forever by faith in Christ. Ethan, the ministry that you've been given, no matter the opposition or the hardship or the heartache, it is more incredible and amazing and lasting than the obstacles that you will face. And we must note that Paul... Continues to have this ministry. When it says we have this ministry, it's not I had it and now I don't have it. It's a present continuative verb. I keep on having this ministry. No matter what the false teachers say, they cannot take the ministry away from him. And he cannot relinquish the ministry just because it's challenging. Keep reading. Verse 1. As we receive mercy. This is in the passive voice. In other words, he had to receive it from God, God is the giver. Paul confirms this in Colossians one twenty-five when he says, I became a minister according to the administration from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Stay faithful to God's call by remembering the ministry is merc- mercifully given to you by God. Hold and care for the ministry of the gospel like you would hold a precious undeserved an unexpected gift of love and never let go. Secondly, you must refuse to give up on the gospel. We see this in the second half of verse 1. Paul says this, we do not lose heart. Losing heart means to be discouraged. Anybody ever lost heart? It means to give up, to faint, to flag, to lose motivation to accomplish a goal. Paul says no matter what he faces, he keeps on not losing heart. He refuses to give up. If anyone had a right to lose heart, it was Paul. Look at verse eight and nine. He says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. In all of this, Paul says, we do not lose heart. This is a consistent theme for Paul. It doesn't just appear here in 2 Corinthians in Galatians 6, 9. He says, let us not lose heart in doing good. In Ephesians 3, 13, he says, I ask you not to lose heart in my tribulations on your behalf. He will not walk away from God's call no matter what it costs him, no matter the pressure, his steadfast example of faithfulness, Under pressure is an example to the true church of Christ in his day and in every generation. He doesn't give up on the call to be a pastor and preach the gospel. For Paul knows and has learned that God's power is perfected in weakness, 2 Corinthians 12, 19. So in seasons of ministry where you are stretched beyond your limit, rejoice. Don't lose heart. In adversity, God is opening a door for you to know in a fresh way the joy of living out the gospel that you have been called to proclaim. This is why Paul can say in verse 4 verse in chapter 4 verse 16, though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. Paul stays faithful to the call and finds that the God who called him is merciful every single morning to equip him for the task. In those seasons, when you count the cost and it seems too great, remember the gospel is greater still. Consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Thirdly, in verse 2, we see that we must renounce every practice and position that undermines the gospel. We must renounce every practice and position that undermines the gospel, unlike the false teachers who are bringing false accusations, Paul renounces things which are hidden because of shame. Paul refuses to stoop to their level. He refuses to use the methods of those who are trying to undermine him. Paul validates the gospel by living out the implications of the gospel under pressure. That's when people know the gospel's real. There will be times you want to fight fire with fire, but Paul fights false accusations with ferocious holiness. There's a great strength that comes from living in a way that is clean before God and others. Live and keep on walking. The walking there is present tense. Knowing that ultimately God is judge. Be ready to stand before God and you will be ready to stand before anyone. Don't walk in craftiness or cunning or trickery, but rather in integrity. For Jesus has promised there's nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be made known. The faithful minister of the gospel lives and leads now in such a way that he will not have to be ashamed later. Paul lived out the implications of the gospel and he also refused, church, to alter the message. He did not adulterate the word of God, verse 2. A faithful minister of the gospel recognizes that a call to proclaim the gospel is also a call to prepare. You don't just stand in the pulpit and Uh, Make up something and read a few verses casually. The ministry of the gospel is the ministry of preparation. The spirit is as much present when you preach the word. As as he is when you prepare to preach the word. To feed God's flock. Paul did not take shortcuts. He refused to adulterate the word of God. Or to handle it deceitfully. There are many ways in our day that the word of God is adulterated. Is it not church? Some distort its its message by omitting important content. Sin, and hell, and sacrifice are not popular topics these days. Others adulterate it by irresponsible selection. Taking verses out of context and stringing them together in a way that loses the gospel. But Paul will not handle the word of God in this way. Because the gospel is not just a story that stands out there. Somewhere, It is a story that is within him. It has overtaken him. He has become a part of the gospel story. And to deny the gospel would be to deny his own self. You have been saved through the proclamation of the gospel in order to proclaim the gospel. Nothing else will save. Don't take shortcuts. Live righteously. Live holy. Live faithfully before God and others. And let God be the work. Fourthly, you must reveal the truthfulness of the gospel through authenticity in all your relationships. Look at the end of verse 2. Paul manifests or reveals or puts on display God's truth by commending himself to the consciences of everyone that he encounters. He wants what he says and what he does to impact people's consciences. He does not want to do anything to undermine the truthfulness of God's message and the opportunity for his hearers to be challenged by it. Which means that Paul is willing to be hurt for the sake of the gospel. In commending the gospel to others, he's also commending himself. He gives all that he has to the work of seeing people come to understand the gospel and then to be transformed by the gospel. The word commend... In verse 2, means to bring together as friends, or to introduce, or to recommend one another. You've ever been in that social setting where you know someone, and your wife's with you, and you need to introduce them. Hi, this is our wife Stacy, and this is Fred, and he's a UVA fan. We'll pray for him. right? Try to get to know one another. You are one who is commending yourself to others that they might know the God who is revealed through the gospel that you know and have been called to proclaim. Paul is earnest in his proclamation of the gospel. He won't hedge on the gospel or hide the gospel. He won't try to impress you so that one day you might get to the gospel. He is a gospel man and all he's got and all he needs is the gospel. And you're either going to accept it or reject it, but he's not going to hedge on the gospel. He seeks by way of the earnestness and the passion with which he proclaims and lives out the gospel to help others come to know God. The God of the gospel. And he does it all, notice, in the sight of God. Meaning that Paul is not living for the approval of men. He's living for the approval of God. Make it your aim, Ethan Smith, to love people by living and declaring the gospel. And then leave the results to God. In 2 Corinthians 5.18, Paul says this. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. This morning. If you don't know that God is holding you fast. If you don't know that you belong to Him through saving faith in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In just a few moments. We'll have an opportunity for you to respond to the gospel. And like Paul and like Ethan and like Hove, I want to urge you this morning, stop living the lie that you can reconcile yourself to God. That on the last day you'll come up with a really good speech before God and you'll be able to make excuses for all the ways that you've rebelled against God because your speech isn't going to work. Your I'm sorry speech on the last day will not work. It will not atone for your sin. But Christ, through His death and resurrection, made a way to cancel your sin so that you can stand before a holy God and be reconciled to Him today and know the power of being on mission for Him until He comes. Don't wait another day. But even there will be some, there will be some who reject your message. Indeed, there might even be many who reject your message. And what I want to encourage you to do is not adopt a false gospel of self promotion in order to secure false results. In verse 3, Paul responds to these false teachers. What they have been arguing about, Paul, is that the gospel that he's sharing just isn't very effective, He's, he's not very dynamic. Maybe he needs a new strategy. Maybe he needs a new platform. Paul, your ministry's not growing fast enough. You don't have a website. You don't have a podcast or a book deal. You aren't filling up any stadiums on the weekends. You're not the real thing. And if that was said about the greatest missionary in world history, Ethan, you can bet that somebody along the way will say it about you. Don't leave the gospel. Paul's response is important. He reminds us that many people reject the real message of the gospel. If it isn't facing, if the message is not facing opposition, if no one is offended by what you preach, then you ought to ask, am I preaching the gospel? The veiling of the gospel, the hiddenness of the gospel is not Paul's fault. It's not Jesus' fault. It's not the apostles' fault. It's not the gospel's fault. The fault, the problem, is spiritual blindness, the Bible tells us right here. Just because a blind man cannot see the light of the sun does not mean that the sun is not shining. It's shining. But people are blinded by the God of this world, they're blinded by Satan, they're blinded by the one who comes to steal and kill and destroy, they're blinded by their own selfish ambitions, their own greed, their own desires to hold on to their own life and to have a way to save themselves rather than surrender to Jesus, who is the only way they can be saved. A temptation we face, Ethan, when when things are not going as we would hope, when the church is not growing as fast as we would like, is to abandon God's word and adopt the tricks and the techniques of the world. But Paul says in verse 5, look, we do not preach ourselves. You might have some quippy wisdom, you might have some nice aphorisms, you might have some charm and some wit that could grab a crowd, and there's people masquerading as preachers who are doing that weekend after weekend after weekend and people think they're getting the gospel but they're actually getting a recipe that's sending them and consigning them to an eternity in hell. Do not preach yourself. Paul preaches the lordship of Christ. His absolute authority. His perfect and holy standard that stands in judgment of our lives and it will offend you before it saves you. My mom... When I used to get these bad hacking coughs and kept the whole family up, she found this thing called Vicks Formula 44D. I don't know if they even sell that anymore, but I think they have an extra mixture of bad taste that they put in this thing. I mean, it's so bad. My, my daughter thinks Donatap's that tastes bad, and I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> And my mom, I mean, she would talk, sweet talk me. She would do all these things. Just take it. And you know, the reason she was giving me that was not so that I would stop coughing. It was so that she could sleep. Right? (laughs) It's going to be worth it. I promise you. And you know what? It was worth it. Not long thereafter, I was sleeping. She was sleeping. My cough was suppressed. It was wonderful. And there are so many people who will stand before a holy God and be condemned because they just couldn't swallow the bitter pill that they are sinners. Separated from a holy God. Deserving of hell and condemnation. But if you will take the bitter pill of acknowledging your sin, the sweetness on the other side of surrendering to Jesus, never... Ever disappoints. The gospel offends before it saves. Don't give up on the gospel. No matter what it cost him in this life, Paul was a slave to others for the cause of Christ. Which means he could not and must not neglect the only message by which slaves to sin can be set free. Only the sin confronting and sin conquering gospel of the glory of Jesus, not you, not me, will save Ethan Smith, don't you ever give up on the gospel. Finally, from verse 6, I want to urge you to remember that this is ultimately God's word. A faithful minister of the gospel remembers that you've got to rely on God to illumine hearts and minds as you faithfully proclaim the gospel. Ethan, We began by talking about challenging seasons of ministry. When the darkness seems too dark, when hearts seem too stony and too cold, don't forget that it's God who does the work. Don't forget the one who calls you to this. Don't forget the one you serve is the creator God. And look what Paul says in verse 6. The one who said, light shall shine out of darkness in those seasons remember that the same power by which god spoke light into existence is still the same god at work when the gospel is proclaimed god can still bring light to the darkest situation the god who made the world is at work transforming dark hearted sinners into light hearted saints how through the proclamation of the gospel this is why paul writes in second corinthians 5:17 if anyone is in christ He is not just reformed. He's not just better. He is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. How is that possible? Because through the gospel, the God who made the world remakes sinners into saints and gives them new desires and new passions for the glory of Jesus. Don't give up on the gospel. Ethan, you didn't save yourself. And you can't save anyone else. But God. God can make old things new. God can make dead things alive. God can take churches trapped in cultural, easy-believing, country-club Christianity and transform them into Jesus-exalting, mission-sending powerhouses for the fame and glory of Jesus the King. He can take people who have not responded to the gospel for a thousand times and save them faster than the lights come on when somebody turns on the light switch in a dark room. He can take people who've never One time and save them the first time they hear the message in their own heart language. By His Spirit, God is still at work all around the world turning on the lights, and He has called you to that ministry. God will help sinners see their sin, leaves them guilty and devastated and headed for eternal death. He will show them a glory they never knew possible when he shows them the glory of a God who has loved them like no other in sending his son to die for them. So Ethan Smith, this morning, we welcome you as a pastor at North Roanoke Baptist Church. And we urge you to run the race with endurance as a faithful minister of the gospel. To do this, you will remember the gospel ministry is a gift from God. You will refuse to give up on the gospel. You will renounce every practice and position that undermines the gospel. You will not adopt a false gospel of self-promotion. And you will rely upon God to illumine hearts and minds as you faithfully proclaim the gospel. Would you pray with me? King Jesus, we thank you for calling out our brother to gospel ministry. We pray, God, that he would be able to say, as Paul said, I've finished the race. I've run with endurance. My race is won. God, we recognize he can't do that apart from your filling and your enabling and your sanctifying power in his life. God, give him the courage to be bold in the way he lives and in the way he proclaims the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is in your name that we pray. Amen.